All right. Well, welcome back to the Body Positive Mum podcast. I am absolutely over the moon today because I have a very special guest with us, a lady called Dr. Zoe Hodson. She's a lead doctor at the Newson Health Menopause and Wellbeing Centre in the Manchester branch. And this is one that I've been extremely excited about recording for a very long time. Um, as most of you will know, I've started to do a lot more research into the menopause, what it is, what we can expect, because every female will experience it at some point in their life. So I felt that it was only going to do justice to this topic by bringing an expert in so that we could have a conversation and answer some of your girls' questions. So, Zoe, thank you for joining me That's and okay. for joining our listeners. <laughs> Brilliant. If you want to maybe just give a wee overview as to who you are, maybe what you're working on right now. And then I have a bundle of questions that I would okay. love to dive in and just ask you. That's absolutely fine. So yeah, I'm, I'm Zoe Hudson. I'm a GP um, by background. And then I started, I think I met Louise Newson about 18 months ago now. In the, I'd, I'd sort of chatted to her um, online beforehand and then went down to the Stratford Clinic and just thought it was amazing. Um, it's a very holistic clinic. So it's, it's talking, this sort of HRT prescribing is at, at the core of it and debunking a lot of the myths um, and advising women. But we also incorporate things like yoga and nutrition and um, psychology. So it's, it's got a really great feel to it. So we're trying to, there are loads of different projects at the moment. Um, so just set up the menopause charity um, because we're very aware that there are lots and lots of groups of women that are not accessing this care. Um, so again, we're looking to expand further with that. Um, and then the Balance app came out a couple of months ago, and that is a free app um, that can be downloaded. And that's really useful to sort of um, get to know what the symptoms are and track them. So yeah, there's lots going on and then setting up the clinic in Manchester as well. So we're going to be expanding that very soon. So yeah, it's busy. Need That's more amazing. hours in the day. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just think that it's incredible what you're doing. And I've followed Louise Newson for quite some time and, you know, menopause doctor as she's known on Instagram. And I've really just, you know, dived into a lot of her information. And I must admit, it's through her that it's got me exploding wider and wanting to yes. find out more. And I reached out to the Newson Health Clinic to say, look, I'd love to be able to chat with one of your doctors. Is that something we could do? And here we are. So thank yes. you. That's okay. <laughs> so maybe... Um... And it's, it's, it's really great because I think there are, there are so many myths out there. And I think we would love it if um, sort of younger women um, is taking the fear out of it and actually mm -hmm. having evidence-based knowledge when you come up to this time um, is yeah. so important. Yeah, so no, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. And you know, it's crazy because when we're young women, and this is probably, you know, something that we haven't talked about even offline, but when we're a young woman, we're talked to talked to at school and, and brought up to understand that at some stage we will start our period and what to expect briefly. We're taught a little bit yeah. about contraception and how not to fall pregnant. And then about when we fall pregnant, we get all this care and what to expect. But then we're never taught or told about the menopause. So maybe we could start right at the very beginning. And I can ask you the question around what actually is the menopause? 
Yeah, just to, to flip back to that quickly, um, Diane Danzebrink um, has managed to, so she has a website called menopausesupport.co.uk and she is campaigning to change a lot of this and she has got the first aim is that menopause will be taught in high schools from now on. So that's brilliant. We do have all of those years in between that we need to address, but there's a starting point there. Um, so she actually has a, a campaign called Make Menopause Matter um, that people can sign to just get this chivied along a little bit, bit faster. So it seems slightly ridiculous that the whole transition is just addressed as menopause because menopause is a day. So it is one day, a year and a day after your periods stop. If, if you do it naturally. And then anything before that is called the perimenopause and anything after that is postmenopause. And it causes huge amounts of confusion. Um, there are so many myths out there. And again, we talk a lot about hormone replacement treatment because it can make a huge difference to women's sort of well-being and symptoms and also the future health as well, because we know it protects against cardiovascular disease and osteoporosis as just a few of the things. So I think one of the things that we need to really look at is reframing it, because I think when you're growing up, you just assume that menopause is something that old ladies have, isn't it? You can't ever relate it to yourself, that yeah. this will happen to me. And I think this is where um, I found it really interesting because I've got friends who are younger than me and I keep trying to shoehorn it into conversation. And it's almost as though don't talk about this thing because I'm not going to have that. And it's, it's sort of, you are, you're in your early 40s. Um, I would love you to be aware of the things that can happen and then not to take you by surprise. Mm -hmm. Because the other thing we know is that although the average age of menopause is 51, um, we know that 5% of women will be menopausal between 40 and 45, and one in 100 below 40, and one in 1,000 below 20. And then when you consider that the perimenopausal symptoms can actually start 10 years before that, we need all women to know about this of all ages. Um, and I think this is where we need to change things around this, that there, again, it's not something that just sort of suddenly hits you like a bolt out of the blue. It, it's, it's insidious. It's fluctuating hormones before. And if you're aware of them, then again, you can start to um, sort of research and educate yourself and decide which path you want to take and, and take the fear out of it. Yeah, that's a very deep and valid point around taking the fear out of it. And mm. I think, you know, I, I mean, I can only speak from, from personal viewpoint right now, but I'm sure I'm not the only one. And that as I've started to research this more, as I've started to learn more, I actually feel a bit more comfortable with it. I feel a bit yeah. more in control of understanding that actually if my body starts to experience the symptoms and we can talk, talk about them in a minute, then I'm at peace with knowing that that's inevitable. It will happen to me. Now, I might not get yes. all of the symptoms and, you know, there, there might be some that are way worse than others, but I kind of now know what to expect, but that's purely been from a front foot approach of I've proactively went out there and sourced the information for myself. Yeah. 
Um, and touching on what you've suggested then around the Make Menopause Matter campaign about, you know, making sure that we can get some of this education into high school. I'm absolutely behind that. And I would urge every single woman listening to this right now, whether you're a mum or not, to go forward and make that signature. The more that we can get on there, the better and the stronger it will be. I think it's really interesting, as you were saying, when you, you you're educated around your periods, and particularly when you're um, if you if you're pregnant, you have so much information, don't you? And then you're coached along the way, and yeah. you have people that check in regularly, and then you have you're expected to go to these support groups with the sort of antenatal groups and the postnatal groups and everything else. And you hit menopause, it's sort of right. You're you're on your tod. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Change. Yeah. And you know, it's quite interesting, actually, as well, because I think it was something that it might have been the podcast episode that Louise Newson had recorded with Davina McCall, when they talked a lot about mm. when she had experienced her first kind of, oh, God, moment of what is happening to me. And they talked a lot about how she had to eventually and was very fortunate enough to be able to go private and to get that private support. But where the average lady will potentially turn up to their GP presenting these symptoms, that's potentially then where the fear can set in around the support that they can expect to receive. Yeah, and I think there are, there are so many issues. Um, I mean, it's um, I, did, I didn't have any training in menopause throughout university and throughout my, I had a, probably about two hours during my GP training. So that's 10, hour, 10 years of training with two hours two on menopause. Hours. Yeah. And when I know when it is really it's it hasn't. So again, we know that lots of GPs are in the same boat and you're trying to navigate through something. Mm -hmm. And again, I think lots of GPs have this idea that menopause can only happen when your periods have stopped or it only happens when you're 50 and older. Mm -hmm. And we see time and time and time again, I mean, these symptoms, they come together in clusters. And this is why we're really keen to look at symptoms rather than endlessly sort of tracking blood results, mm. because the, the blood test that's commonly used can fluctuate over the month. Mm. So it might be high on two days of the month. But if you are unlucky enough to have the blood test on the other 28 days, it can be normal. Mm -hmm. and again, you sort of look at these sort of paths that women have been on, and it can start even with things like recurrent urine infections, um, lots of women will sort of self-treat for thrush. They'll notice that their smears become more painful and that can be very early sign. They can, um, as I say, so that can be, an, things like anxiety can present way, way before anything like hot flushes and not everyone gets hot flushes. You can get things like tinnitus, you can get palpitations, um, you can get sort of joint pains. And if you are just treated on that individual symptom and nobody steps back and thinks maybe mm. that symptom goes along with other symptoms and maybe if we filled in this symptom checker we'd start to see a pattern here and maybe then we could put it together and think ah is this due to hormone fluctuations yeah and I think that's where we need to turn it around. So Dr. Sarah Ball, who works at the clinic, um, wrote recently that she spent two weeks as a GP with women 45 and over, but you could actually extend that, as I've said, to younger women. And everything that they presented with, she'd look at a symptom checker and think the other way around, think, 
could this be due to perimenopause rather than thinking, oh, they've come in with dry eyes. Mm. Let's dry eyes. We said, well, let's ask about these symptoms. Could this be part of a hormonal fluctuation? Mm. Really strange as a GP when you do that because you suddenly, it's like getting these new glasses on. You just see it everywhere. So everyone that's ringing with these recurrent urine infections, it's suddenly, oh, the likelihood is you have low vaginal estrogen. Mm. Comes in with anxiety. It's sort of, oh, what have your periods been doing? Have they changed? Um, And it really changes the way you practice. Lovely if we could get general practice and other specialties, because all of them, if they Mm. were aware of this, so, for example, we see lots of women with migraine and they go to the neurologist and they put more and more medication. And I had a lady at the clinic the other week and she said, I'm sure this is hormonal. Mm. And I said, it is. And so she's been backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards, put on all these different medications and migraine's getting worse and worse and worse. And if at the beginning it had been sort mm-hmm. of clocked that there were some other symptoms, then she has done absolutely wonderfully in a couple of months with some safe it's called body identical HRT. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we, we do, we need the whole, not only do we need high school education, we need healthcare to be educated in it as well. And that's another thing that we're working on. Yeah. Oh, it's just, it's a lot, isn't it? When you think yeah. about it, then you see it that way. Out of 10 years of becoming a really highly educated medical professional. And you, nothing. Yeah. You, you, you kind of have this short model. 51% of the population goes through. Or 52%. Absolutely. And it's not something that we might go through. It's something that we, <laughs> we will yeah. go through. Every single one of our, our us females. And I, I suppose when we talk about it, I have a client at the moment who has gone through very early menopause because of uh-huh. estrogen-fed breast cancer and the treatment that she then experienced for that. Yeah. So she's yeah. unfortunately been through a kind of whole other journey with it. But that aside, unless it's kind of medically induced, we will inevitably hit that path at some point. And for the UK, like you've said, the average female age for menopause is around 51. But I suppose then symptoms we've, we've kind of touched on. Um, I've had a very personal experience recently with getting blood works done because Mm -hmm. of the research I've been doing and I suppose it's very similar to looking at symptom trackers of saying what can I tick within these symptoms that I'm experiencing now that are new to me and some of them have been heart palpitations, anxiety, restless sleep which is not normal for me. Equally, all of those three things could be considered as being just in a highly anxious state just now, given that COVID is still here and we're still experiencing a lot. But when you couple that with other things like itchy skin, and it's not just in one place, it's everywhere, you know, and and changes within even vaginal discharge that starts to indicate to me that actually I probably could be perimenopausal right now at 37. Yes. So blood works are getting done, but like you say, they've come back normal because I've probably gone at a period where my hormones were actually behaving. Yeah, and I think this is the thing as well, and I think it's really problematic because obviously GPs are still have restricted access at the moment. Um, and again, this is where I think that the balance app works really well because you can start to track those because your symptoms yeah. will fluctuate as well. Yeah. And 
again, sort of looking at what happens to these symptoms over time. And then you could have another month where there are different symptoms. And it's also looking at, are your periods changing slightly? So again, as a, a lot of women are told that your periods have to have stopped, and that's not true. So you can mm -hmm. get a slight change, they can become heavier, they, they can just change. Mm -hmm. and looking at all of those often subtle symptoms, mm -hmm. yeah. um, just sort of starting to put them together and as you say just thinking right is this because my hormones are just starting to dip a little bit mm -hmm. yeah so this is what we, yeah we want exactly that and I think um just going back to said you had a friend um who's been gone mm -hmm. into early menopause because of breast cancer and this is another group of women that we're trying to address because there are lots of, of lots of women who have gone into sort of early menopause, either because of sort of surgery for heavy bleeding, for example, or endometriosis, and then for other cancers as well. And there are a whole group of young women who have had menopause because of cancers and not necessarily hormone-dependent cancers mm. who are also sort of left out there. And we, I think what we want is just to get the connections together and get people sort of talking to each other, have the resources and feel that there is someone out there who is either experiencing the same as them or that they can talk to and they can actually get evidence-based advice mm. from. Yeah, that and that is brilliant. And the network going. Yeah, and I think exactly what you've just said, um, I personally, so for everyone listening, I personally downloaded the Balance app when I first found out about it just so that I could have a play with it and just see what it was, what, what was in there, what was it what was it about. And I must say that it's well exceeded my expectations of what it would do. So I would absolutely say that an action point from today, and we will cover this off at the end where we look at helpful resources and further support, but absolutely if you're um, an iOS Apple user or an Android phone user, definitely head over to your app store and just search for balance and you will absolutely thank me and the Newson Health Centre for developing. And I think this is the, the thing as well. Um, I mean, it's, it's again, it's sort of sharing the information. I think this is what I, I would always say to people. If, mm -hmm. if you have been lucky enough to be able to come to the clinic and we've all said we none of us can get funding for doing this through the NHS. Yeah. Um, and it is something that we are very keenly aware of. Mm -hmm. um, but it's always that thing of if you have been lucky enough, you've had a supportive GP, you've had the treatment, you're feeling better, then please, please, please just look out for women everywhere. So mm -hmm. I speak to women on the checkout where I go, wherever I go, yeah. because I just, I think even knowing that those symptoms are due to are due to hormones can bring so much relief because lots of women will say, I thought I was going mad. Mm -hmm. I thought I had dementia. Mm -hmm. um, because you get real, so you can get issues like brain fog, um, word finding problems, memory impairment, and it's really frightening. Mm. I because all the, the job that you did routinely, mm -hmm. suddenly struggling. And again, I think historically, it was always seen as a bit of a joke, wasn't it? But mm -hmm. it's, it's actually not funny. No. Uh, and it can really, really knock your confidence. Mm -hmm. I mean, even right to the point where if we talk about kind of career women in a corporate environment as well, mm -hmm. you know, even the whole aspect of having a fan on your desk. You know, yeah. it's, it's probably a bit different now that we're majority working from home. But, 
you know, take COVID out of the equation and think about how is that impacting on women in their latter careers if they are facing yes. brain fog, if they are facing maybe even reporting that they are used to doing, but unfortunately are making errors that they would not, yes. not normally have done. That it's got a massive impact then on confidence levels. And I don't know any statistics around this. I'll certainly look it up and can put it in the show notes. But for women that end up actually resigning... About 20%. 20%. Wow, that's high. That is high. Yeah. And then we speak to lots and lots of women who will... And that's, that's who leave work. And then there's lots of women that will reduce their hours or mm-hmm. take a, a sort of a drop down the career ladder. Because mm-hmm. um, they're so... They know that they're making mistakes or they're so scared of making mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, they just feel so, I mean, even just having disrupted sleep every night mm-hmm. yeah. um, has a huge impact on well-being. And cognitive function, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's just one of these horrible things that us women have to now deal with, right? So I think it's, yeah, and again, it's, 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 it's if you knew, so even with anxiety mm-hmm. um, and brain fog and things like that, I think if you knew that they were caused by hormone fog, that takes some of the fear away, doesn't it? That Absolutely. You, you can sit down and start looking at um, the way that you want to address this. Mm-hmm. So, so I think this, again. Yeah, no, sorry, continue on. So this is, it's, it, we have to, and it can seem quite overwhelming because it's such a, there's such a lot to be done. But I think, again, if we, and this is what I would always say, it's sort of all women, well, everyone really can chip away at this. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can, you can spread the message very, very quickly, can't you? With chatting to friends and yeah, yeah. family um, and just, mm-hmm. so I think this is where social media comes into its own, that mm-hmm. we can get this out there, but we're, we're very, very aware that lots of women are not on social media. So it's, again, it's how to sort of tap into to them. And there's been a report out this week um, in the British Journal of General Practice that the women that could probably benefit from the sort of long-term health benefits of HRT are the ones that are accessing it the least. Right. So that's probably actually a really good segue into discussing what treatment looks like then. So, you know, women that are presenting with symptoms and the whole media myth scaremongering that went on for, you know, years past around HRT, it would be interesting to get your viewpoint from an evidence-based practitioner so this was due to it was a a trial that was about 18 years ago now it's called the whi trial Mm -hmm. and so when i was training there were lots of women on hrt and then suddenly this trial came out hit the headlines and everyone was taken off hrt and it wasn't spoken about for 15 years wow a lot of the guidelines still based on this trial even though the the trial has been shown there was some some good data came out of it but Mm -hmm. a lot of the data was flawed right and the thing that is very, very different these days is what we know is that there is a there is an association and it's a small association between an increased risk of breast cancer and progestogen. Mm-hmm. Progestogen is the, the part of, if you go onto HRT, it's the part that you have to have if you have a womb to stop the womb lining overgrowing. What has changed is again and we're trying to push everyone to move towards this so firstly estrogen is not implicated 
So women who are on estrogen only, who have had a hysterectomy, have no increased risk of breast cancer. And the likelihood is it actually protects a little bit against breast cancer. So the, what is, it's moving towards, and we're trying to get GPs, as I say, to know more about this, there's something called body identical HRT, which has a different progesterone. And again, we'll put a link to it. There's a, there's a really interesting podcast about all of this. So again, to put it into some sort of context, younger women have no increased risk of breast cancer with HRT because you're replacing the hormones up to the average age of menopause. Women who've had a hysterectomy have no increased risk of HRT. There is a tiny, as I say, associated risk, but approximately 2% of breast cancers could be linked to HRT and 30% to lifestyle. And this is where you're looking at poor nutrition, carrying more weight, smoking, alcohol, lack of exercise. And what we generally find is that when women have their symptoms controlled, that they tend to, their cravings reduce and we can come on to weight. Their joints are better so they can exercise more. They're feeling better so their exercise is more effective. And very often they will choose to reduce the alcohol as well because they're just feeling better and they're not using the alcohol to mask the anxiety or to try to get to sleep. So when you look at all the figures and then in as well, we know it's got a 52% risk reduction for cardiovascular disease. Mm -hmm. It prevents osteoporosis. It can protect against bowel cancer. There's a brilliant woman in the States working on Alzheimer's at the moment, and it looks pretty conclusive that it will reduce the risk of Alzheimer's. Amazing. So all of these things, as well as functioning mm -hmm. normally, mm -hmm. have to be taken into consideration. And I think the problem is with the media, you can, you can manipulate statistics really easily. So you can say, if there is gone from one in a thousand to two in a thousand, you can accurately say that's doubled the risk. Yeah. Yeah. And you don't have to report doubled the risk from one to two. And a lot of that has gone on as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I think it's finally being laid to rest, but it's done so much damage. Agreed. And I think that's absolutely it, because even my kind of ignorance behind it all before I started to proactively read and learn and, and listen to what's out there, I too had that preconception around HRT use and breast cancer. It was almost in your mind, you're thinking HRT equals breast cancer. Yes. Because that's what the media have spun for that period. Yes. Um, and it even got to the point where my own mum decided and her sister her generation have decided no HRT now yeah. for my own mum's sake and her point of view she's actually a very healthy 60 odd year old woman she was a bodybuilder for years she still weight trains you know so resistance training yes. again is very good for sarcopenia and osteoporosis yeah. in later years so again sarcopenia being the loss of muscle mass and, and the, the tone that we need for that body protection um but i think from that point of view she's looked at well what can i do through nutrition and make sure that i'm yes. you know reducing alcohol that was a big one you know yeah. being a bit more aware around the things that she's consuming to support her and i think this is the thing if there could be um 
an NHS menopause check. And it would be, right, if you have had all the evidence and if you decide that you don't want to use HRT, well, let's focus on what we need to look at at this stage of life. We need to look at cardiovascular health. We need to look at bone health. We need to reduce toxins. We need to reduce inflammatory food groups. Mm -hmm. I mean, that would be such an invaluable use of time. Yeah, agreed. And even when you think about, you know... So talk a little bit then, just for kind of general public, so gen population, around what is HRT? So HRT is hormone replacement therapy. And really, if you look at it sort of in the early years, it should be hormone support therapy rather than replacement therapy. So what you're finding, you you have a sort of a fixed ovarian reserve. Um, so you, you're born with eggs and then they will be released and then the reserve will gradually dip down. Now, I always look at it, it's a bit like the marathon in some ways, in that some women's ovarian reserve will reach the finishing line much earlier than other women. You get a body in the middle of the average, but you will get some at the beginning and some tailing at the end. Mm -hmm. So um, what happens is when your ovaries are not releasing as many eggs, and this is where the FSH, FSH blood test comes in, it's on a circuit, it's on a loop. So when you're, the eggs aren't being released, the FSH sort of cracks the whip and gets a bit louder and will sometimes rise and you'll get this peak in an FSH blood test. But it doesn't happen, again, it fluctuates. So you will find that sort of your estrogen levels will be fluctuating, your progesterone levels will be fluctuating. And particularly with estrogen, you have receptors everywhere. They're all over your body. And this is why the symptoms can be so weird and wonderful. So they support things like your neurotransmitters, and this is why the mood changes are are common. So they will support your serotonin, your dopamine, your oxytocin. Um, It buffers your sympathetic nervous system. And many women will find that they get this really horrible, uncomfortable anxiety. There's something called the feeling of impending doom. And it's because your sympathetic nervous system is just being activated all the time. Um, So your fight, flight, freeze mechanism is just on overdrive. And then, of course, you'll find that even that, because that has an effect on things like cortisol, adrenaline, so it all goes backwards and forwards. Very often you'll find that you're comfort eating more to do with that. And again, you can be reaching for the alcohol to try and calm that down. And all of that doesn't really help. But it's, 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 again, it's really hard sometimes to stay with good nutrition because you just feel lousy Mm. and then again so what will happen postmenopausally? you'll sort of get a steady level and the symptoms will settle down but you still have a hormone deficiency Mm -hmm. so this is what we're looking at is again you're similar to thyroid so if you had a thyroid deficiency you'd take thyroxine yeah end of story wouldn't be an issue with it With this, you have an estrogen stroke testosterone deficiency, and we use estrogen. Mm-hmm. And this is where, again, it doesn't delay the menopause. This is another common myth. So if you have been on HRT from 45 to 55, and then you stop it at 55, mm-hmm. you'll have the hormone deficiency. So you may experience symptoms again. It hasn't delayed it. It was always there, but you were treating it. Yeah, yeah. And this is, again, there is no, there isn't this thing where you can only be 
So I had a lady the other month that said I was trying to choose when I could have my five years of HRT. Okay, that's interesting. It's that thing of no, it, it, that's wrong as well. It isn't five years. You can be on this for life. Mm-hmm. It's assessed regularly. You should have a yearly assessment, but we need to move away from this. Mm-hmm. Have a hint at feeling better for five years and then we're taking it away from you. Yeah. What happens is it's bizarre. Yeah. And again, it's probably all to do with just the media myths and the conceptions yes. that have been put out there for women that have just stuck, really. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think it, it is, it's a, it's a, I mean, that's the, so the hormone replacement therapy is estrogen, progesterone if you have a womb. I would include vaginal estrogen because that's a, another key part of things. Um, and that, again, you can have vaginal estrogen on its own or that can be in combination with HRT. Okay. Um, and then my favourite hormone, testosterone. Okay, that's interesting. So let's talk a little bit yes. about that because as a female, so obviously my background in nutrition, I, I understand the hormone side, but before I had even started venturing into nutrition, I would never have thought about testosterone and females together. So yes. let's have a chat about it then. So females have testosterone. Yes. Ours. It wasn't Who just knew? for the boys. <laughs> okay. What tends to happen is by the time, very often by the time you sort of get to 50, you've lost 50% of your testosterone. And again, we're trying to get, so if you think that during my 10 years of training, I didn't have any teaching on HRT or menopause, well, you can imagine there was, testosterone wasn't even on the radar. Right. It, it wasn't a concept it was sort of all well, women don't have testosterone and again it was actually a patient that introduced me to the concept of females having testosterone um, because she came in she said I'd like to try testosterone and so I, I went and read around it and I thought well this is prescribed um, seems to only be in these sort of in gynecology clinics and not done by GP so it must be incredibly dangerous and it must have to be done by real specialists and there is no way I'm prescribing it to you because it must be far too terrifying and you'll come back with a beard okay. um, <laughs> and so I left it at that and then it was only once um, and it's, it's quite uncomfortable to be the only prescriber in your surgery mm. um, and you've never been taught about it mm. Nobody else is doing it. Everyone else thinks you've gone a bit mad for prescribing testosterone to women. Yeah. This is another big area that we need to get onto the radar. So um, its it's main indication is for low sex drive, um, which can be a real problem. Um, But what it can also help with is it can help with things like the word finding, the the brain sharpness, the sarcopenia, the muscle strength, Mm -hmm. uh, and the energy. Mm really sort of bring that that zip back so that's why it's my favorite bit amazing so you touched on there and it really caught me um around the lower sex drive so libido you know your sex drive being impacted and that was something that as I was reading through the symptoms of menopause that I was quite struck by um can it have an impact around even orgasm experiences or you know just how how turned on we feel as women. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's quite a, um, I mean, it's, there's so many sort of facets to menopause care. So I think culturally, 
Mm. Um, women haven't dared to talk about low sex drive because there's been that thing, well, you're sort of old past it. Yeah. What do you, you have sex? Um, and I think, again, it's been something that women have been too embarrassed to broach mm. with people and it's not really brought up in discussion. Um, and when you think about everything that is happening to you, your body shape can be changing. You're not feeling as great. If you're having 20 hot flushes a day, then yeah. intimacy is probably the last thing you want because it can, again, someone coming near you triggers a hot flush where well, you're yeah. just not to want them near you. So you're going through all of these changes. You can often be feeling quite ratty and horrible. Mm. And many women just sort of retreat um, so we'll find that they move into separate bedrooms from their partners. They just mm-hmm. partly, what on earth is happening to me? I can't cope with anyone else's emotions at the same time. Mm-hmm. And it, it can be even down to a sort of a practical level. And again, going back to the vaginal dryness, mm-hmm. and it's, it's not necessarily dryness. Um, it can just feel irritated or inflamed or uncomfortable. And if when you are having sex, it's uncomfortable mm. and you're feeling rotten. It's not going to be enjoyable, really, then. And you're not sleeping. <laughs> yeah. And it might reduce, sort of result in triggering a urine infection. Mm. I'm going to go there. It's a bloody hoot, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think it's it's partly looking at whether for the, again, for the vaginal side of things, there are loads of different preparations to out with that, we um, recommend that people start using their lubricants and mm-hmm. moisturisers. We tend to steer clear from the ones that are on the sort of supermarket shelves mm-hmm. because a lot of them, there's some dreadful, dreadful things in vaginal products. Really? Um, we don't need scents. We don't need... The, there are just awful things that are terrible for vaginal tissue. It's quite a gentle little biodome down there. Yeah. Um, need to be shoving sparkles and oh god things that are in there (laughs) um so all these sort of washes and everything else Mm. um it's another market that really needs addressing um because it just is really unhelpful so we tend to there's the two Mm. the two companies there's one called silk which is s-y-l-k and a company called yes and they actually make vaginal moisturizers and lubricants okay um so even that can help Mm -hmm. because it can feel more comfortable there's a whole thing again about sort of your confidence and how you're mm-hmm. feeling and do we need to be looking more at intimacy rather than necessarily penetrative sex. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and there's a, again, because you can feel quite disconnected with yourself and your partner, um, it can be a strange time and it's, again, sort of looking at finding that connection mm-hmm. not necessarily through penetration. Mm-hmm. Uh, brilliant brilliant website called joe divine and there's a lady so the lady that runs that she writes a blog as well um she used to be a nurse um and she it's to say people often will ring her shop but they get a lot of information and it's looking at again bringing it out let's start talking about this yeah rather than because it's important sex yeah absolutely yeah 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 absolutely and i think you know from that point that again that was something that in my quest of just reading more and understanding more, that as soon as I came across the fact that actually your libido is impacted and, and another point that really caught me was that your orgasm experience can also yeah. be impacted. And that was news to me 
you know, to think that yes. actually we go through a hell of a lot of internal changes, cognitive yep. changes, and, you know, external, like you've alluded to with um, additional weight gain at times, and we start to then potentially look at ourselves in the mirror and just not recognise who we're becoming. And that's yeah. that's a big, big element. It's like you've said previously as well, it's multifaceted and that we've got a hell of a lot of things going on as well as life. Yeah, and I think that's the, again, even with that, is that looking in the mirror, um, there's something about, I mean, it's again, it's the pressure, isn't it, to look a certain way. And I would really love it to change to being the healthiest and the most well that you yeah. can be. Absolutely echo that. It's one of the joyous things about menopause is that when you are sort of getting through this and you're winning at menopause, mm. you don't care as much about what people think about you. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this nail on the head, I couldn't have said it any better and that the kind of passion and quest that I'm on at the moment with the ladies that I'm working with is around... You know, yes, we look at nutrition and we look at lifestyle. For some of the ladies, it's for body fat loss. But a lot more of that is working on mindset and working on those relationships with their own bodies and that we don't have to continuously look at ourselves and feel that I'm body positive or body confident all the time. We fluctuate daily. But just to be that body neutral tone with ourselves and how we verbally speak to ourselves but also the yes. body language and the way that you know we dress and that's probably something that as we start to come through the curve into perimenopause and menopause that changes again for us because we're, yeah we're, and this is the yeah. thing I think hopefully we'll get this voice of the mm-hmm. because it is it's sort of moving to and lots of people talk about it you're moving to the wise woman yes yeah that's and you're nice. also moving to the wise woman that won't take any crap yeah bring her on <laughs> yes so this is the bit that we need these voices speaking out as well that yes it is a transition in the same way that around your period starting and being a teenager you're mm. trying on lots of different hats and you don't quite know who you are mm. and you emerge as an adult mm. um, and then there's another transition and again there's this once you've moved through this transition there's this wonderful sort of wisdom and sense of self without having to reference the rest of the world the whole time. I like that. That's, you know, and this is it, absolutely, because I feel like, you know, as much as this episode was really to bring the facts and to really get women to think about, you know, what is happening to them, what is inevitably going to happen to them and where to get help, but it's also nice to possibly look at now ending this on, it's not all bad. There is some really good things that can come from menopause. And a lot of the time it can be like you say, it's like that self exploring and finding out that actually, you know, if things do change in my sex life, what can I do that's gonna make me still feel good and still, you know, have that connection with my husband or my partner of, you know, whichever sex. So I think that's, that's massively important as and well. And again, it's, it's even things like to the point of exercise. It's sort of instead of having to do the exercise that you've been told to do, it's finding what on earth it is that will 
sort of bring you joy. I yeah. hate exercise, so I'm still working on that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but what can you do? What fits in with your... So before lockdown, we had um, tried kickboxing and roller skating because I prefer those to... Amazing. ...do running. I'm terrible at it. Um, <laughs> but it's, again, it's finding things mm-hmm. that you want to do Agreed. and listening to you. Agreed. And I think, especially at this time at the moment, it's, mm-hmm. it's even trickier. Um, but it's a lot of... Again, self-reflection yeah. and really zoning out the noise mm-hmm. and really looking at you. Yeah, I like that. That's that's a massive takeaway from this episode then, is for women to prepare for that moment where this is their opportunity to work on them. You know, when yes. they're going through this. Um, what's your thoughts on journaling to support? Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. I think the, the, there are loads of different things. And I say it comes back to the, partly you may have acquired quite a few labels by the time you come to perimenopause. It's sort of partner, mother, carer, colleague. So again, it's, it can be quite tricky to sort of start shedding all the labels and find out who you are underneath all of those. Mm. And again, because it's a transition time, you can find a lot often um sort of unresolved traumas can come to the surface again Mm. lady called becky quick who is a menopause psychologist and we've talked about that because i said most women will get to this time with the big box and when is the time to open the big box Mm. because we're in the middle of quite a pressured situation Mm -hmm. Um, and she sort of said sometimes the box will open of its own volition it often does and you can start to get intrusive thoughts again can get quite a lot of self-doubt um so sometimes you do need a little bit of help with that going back to that and and revisiting it in a sort of a safe environment yeah i'm then just journaling um and again it's that self-reflection on so what went well today what didn't mm-hmm. go so well um was it to do with me or are there other factors um and I, I do like the sort of trophy cabinet thing as well, where it's what are the maybe three things that I did for my health and well-being today? Mm. Them. Mm. Um, because it doesn't, they don't have to be big things, do they? It's, it's mm. that thing of oh, I went for a walk outside at lunchtime instead of sitting at my chair. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. those just pat on the back, you're doing okay. Absolutely. Yeah, spot on. And, and I think this is, this is the thing as well, because... A lot of the ladies that I work with were in different stages of life. Some of them are still, you know, in their 20s. Some of them are right through until their 50s. And we're working through what changes are they experiencing. And some of the times it's down to not everybody can meditate. Not everybody enjoys it and can switch the noise off in their head. It's it's kind of a skill in itself to be able to do that. I'm terrible at it. Yeah, you know, it's just trying to switch off and stop thinking. And women are the worst at switching off and stop thinking. So as a kind of flip side of that, I've got them doing some journaling. And it can even, you know, there's no right or wrong way of doing this. Some women, it's a brain dump of words or just things that they need to just remove from their mind and know that it's in a safe place in their journal and out of their head now. And for others, it becomes a work of art. And, you know, they design pages around it all. And it's just them taking some self-cares, me time is what I call it. And I regularly build that into their week where I'll designate them in a day to say, you have some steps to do today. 
but it's important that yeah. you actually take a self-cares slot and yeah. let me know what you've done. You know, I've got some yeah. ladies that will lie on a bed of nails because that's what brings them solace and comfort. And I've got other ladies that will opt to go for a walk and, you know, an, yeah. an environment that makes them feel calm. So this is but so important. But women are terrible at this, aren't they? Massively. And I think as well, having that accountability partner to say, today you will do some self-cares. Yeah. And that might only be 10 minutes yes. to yourself if you're a busy oh. mum. But that 10 yeah. minutes will be so valuable to you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the other thing as well. It's, it's, it, isn't, it isn't selfish, is it? Oh, God, no. Absolutely not. It's, it's necessary. Because... Yeah. There's this quote, and I'm going to butcher it now, I absolutely will, but there's this quote that I've used time and time again around, I can't be your rock if I'm crumbling. Yeah. And it's it's purely around the fact that, you know, not, not every woman will be a mum. Not every woman will have an extended large family that they need to care for. But you yeah. will have somebody or, you know, a pet within your lifestyle that relies on you and needs you. And if you're not looking after yourself, you've not got enough to give to those around you that you love and need you. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. And I think it, this is a time as well, and I think women do really struggle with it. Mm. Yeah. Of of taking that time and carving that time for themselves and, and reclaiming it. Absolutely. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Well, I'm just going to check and make sure that I've answered, because I did have some questions come through, but I've tried to just wind them into what we've been talking about so I think we've pretty oh the only one that I had through that we've not answered actually is how long does the menopause last so we touched on this at the start where you'd suggested yeah. that menopause is really one day the, I mean the average length of time of symptoms is about sort of seven years um but again you I think you this is where you sort of have to divide it up into really looking at when we look at symptom management and then also future health mm. uh, and this is where we're looking at it in a different way because we're yeah. looking at preventing the osteoporosis cardiovascular disease so yeah that's the the sort of average length of symptoms um but again it's just doing a a check on all of the things not mm. just the symptoms brilliant oh Zoe thank you so much for joining us today on this episode it has been probably one of my favorite episodes to date that I have recorded and I mean that I've you know it's something I'm hugely passionate about and being 37 I may be perimenopausal right now I don't know but at least I'm open to the fact that I can understand the changes in my body. And if, it, if it's yes. happening, I'm not frightened of it. And yeah. I'm certainly not ashamed about it. It doesn't make me feel any less sexy or any less attractive as a woman. And I know it's going to get worse. I know that the symptoms will get worse. Not necessarily. It doesn't for everyone. Um, it can for a lot of women. Um, but as I say, you do, you do get... And it, it varies hugely. And I think... Again, a lot of it is um, is just knowing. Mm, absolutely, yeah. Actually, one more point on that just before I let you go. Genetically, so just thinking about it in terms of what, can I expect to have very similar experiences or can the ladies listening to this expect to have very similar experiences to what their mum or the, the grandmother experienced? There can be a link if there's been a sort of an early menopause in the family. Okay. Uh, so we we often will if 
someone has come in who has symptoms early, we'll sort of say, what was your mum's mm. experience? What, is, what has your sister's experience be? Um, it doesn't necessarily mean that the symptoms will, will be exactly the same. Um, so another another key thing that can sort of indicate um, is other times of low estrogen. So if you have had things like sort of postnatal depression when that estrogen has dropped down, that can sometimes indicate that you may get similar symptoms during the perimenopause. Or things like PMS, mm-hmm. um, when you, you've had that sort of sensitivity to hormone fluctuations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, again, that the, there are lots of different factors um, involved with this. So we find that if you speak to your grandmother, um, life was different then. Mm, true. Very often they would have been at home. They'd be able to have a nap when they felt like it. Life was more slow. Mm-hmm. So they might not have experienced things in the same way. Very true. Thank you. Well, massive thank you for coming on and okay. sharing your abundance of knowledge on this. It's been valuable. And I'm sure everybody listening to this will take away some very valid points. But before I let you go, can you just share with the listeners where they can potentially get some further support should they want to go and self-help? So I think we've already mentioned the Balance app, um, which I think is a really good start. And then there's um, a couple of websites. So there's menopausedoctor.co.uk. And that is just absolutely rammed to the gills. There are podcasts, videos. It's all evidence-based. There are some really sort of eminent clinicians on there as well from worldwide. And that covers everything from nutrition to yoga to sleep. Um, There is the menopausesupport.co.uk website, um, and they have a closed group on Facebook. And then there's a wonderful woman called Jane Lewis, who has written a book called Me and My Menopausal Vagina. Um, And then she has a closed support group on Facebook as well. Amazing. Lovely. Thank you so much for that. Well, that should should provide reading and listening material for a good a Absolutely. Good yep. And regardless of age, ladies, if you're listening to this, I would urge you to at least go and check out those websites so that you can start to build your knowledge and awareness of where you can get further information. So, yes. And keep talking. Absolutely. It is not a taboo subject. It's not something to be ashamed of or fearful of because we're all in this together and here to support one another. So yes, Zoe, thank you so much for your time. It's been magnificent. Okay, thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. If you've got questions, you can absolutely head over to my free Facebook group or my Instagram and ask away. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast for all future episodes so you can be one of the first to be notified and listen in. And if you have really enjoyed this episode or any previous episodes, I would absolutely love it if you could go ahead, subscribe and add a five star review, obviously. That would be awesome. But for now, I'm going to leave you with healthy vibes until our next episode.